0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: From every universe. Who are you? And Where am I? I think it's better we don't engage with them because, frankly, the multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. The multiverse is real.
2: Welcome everyone to episode thirty-one of the Writers Block podcast. I am your host Brandon Laurie, and as always, I have my esteemed, lovely co-host, the lovely Ms. Jess Navarre. I have to say, lovely twice because it's a fact. it's truly what she is. Uh, you, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Brandon is Right, and that's W-R-I-T-E, and at Navarre's underscore. We are officially now two weeks, two full weeks away from the NFL draft, but that doesn't mean that we can't relax, get a little R&R time beforehand with this holiday weekend that we just had. Jess, what did you do? How was it? Did you find any Easter eggs?
0: You know what? I found a ton of Easter eggs, but with my nephews and my niece, because I am officially the adult that has to hide the Easter eggs, right? So it's like, I'm no longer a kid anymore. Like I have to do all the adult duties and it kind of sucks. Like I miss when Easter was cool, where you were the one finding the eggs. You had nothing to worry about other than like the sugar overload you were about to have. No, officially an adult. um, So that was cool. I am back in my hometown for the holiday weekend into the better part of the week. So all the Mexican food has been devoured, as you already know how I love that. Um, I got plenty of family time in, so now I have to just figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my time here and how to juggle to see everyone I want to see while I'm home. But um, yeah, a great R&R weekend for me uh, overall just spent the time really chasing around my nephews who are absolutely adorable but definitely wore me out well, how has your holiday weekend been it, it
2: was good I had the nieces uh over we went over our cousin's house and same thing you know I had to throw a couple elbows to get a couple eggs um you know oh so my goodness. yeah you take it serious. I do because I'll have you know and I mean we are only 31 episodes into this entire thing <laughs> and so people don't know much about us but I'll have people know that I'm something of an Easter celebrity in my hometown when it was a uh, retirement home Easter egg hunt for my uncle. uh, He this was like maybe when I was six or seven years old. If you found an Easter egg, which I didn't know at the time with a sticker on it, you actually got a basket, a picture with the Easter bunny and a photo in the newspaper. So I found it, didn't realize I had it. Uh, My brother would have been with me. Uh, in that photo, but unfortunately, some kid pushed him down into the dirt and stole his Easter egg. Uh, so he didn't make the cut for the for the Easter photo in the retirement home, uh, but I did. I got a nice basket and everything. So like I said, something of a local Easter celebrity myself. But wow. Yeah, uh, you know I don't like You're to brag.
0: Basically, like up there with the Easter Bunny. Like that's that's pretty high status, Brandon. The, I didn't know I yeah. did this podcast with basically a celebrity at this point. We're, like that's insane. Uh,
2: there's there's many stories to come with me in the newspaper. I've been in the newspaper a lot uh, for weird, strange things. But I well, digress. Yeah, 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 I, I digress. Jess, I will turn to you because, of course, uh, we didn't have a guest last week, but we do have one this week, and I'm very excited to introduce who we have. But I'll I'll turn to you. I'll let you introduce because you guys have had a prior interaction uh, before this.
0: Yeah, so our guest this week, I was really excited to bring him on because how we met was through Meg Murray, who also does podcasts here on the Vlog and the Boys podcast network. And we kind of just met like randomly. I think we were standing by each other for a second and then Meg was like, Do you guys actually know each other? Like, do I feel the need to introduce you guys? And so it was really cool. We hit it off right away. Um, And then I had the privilege to go on his show on 105.3 The Fan, The Get Right, with KG and Reg. So none other than Reg, we have you on this week because... Why wouldn't we? I mean, it just makes (laughs) sense. You're so freaking awesome. You have fantastic, fantastic tasting candle sense, I must say. And not only that, it is two weeks before the draft, like uh, Brandon just said. So there's plenty to talk about and plenty to get into. But Reg, how are you doing? How was your holiday weekend? What did you do?
1: Uh, A lot of nothing, which was very festive for me. I enjoyed my my downtime of uh, watching the Masters and other assorted sports uh, items and just chilling. Like, really, probably basically in this spot. Uh, Just sitting down, watching TV, and not being bothered by anything or anyone. And, uh, yeah, that was sufficient for me.
0: I love that. Some R&R comes in all forms, and usually, like... That is my R and R, so I feel that and it, you guys can't see red. But like this little hangout he has looks so comfortable, so I don't blame you for. not Oh,
1: that's being great to know that the, this this is not entirely visual, so I can I can do whatever I want visually. Well, and yeah. I was gonna say uh, I'm just thinking
2: of this now. I'm wearing a gray shirt with a gray background, so I'm glad that uh, it's like I have a green screen. I'm just a floating head. Uh, <laughs> but I, I wanted to ask you just like we'll talk about a few questions with your background. Of course, being at 105.3, the fan. For you within sports, broadcasting, sports, journalism, did you have being on sports radio within your 10-year plan? That's what everybody says when they're at college or where have you, some institution, they're like, well, what do you want to do for the next 10 years? Did this fall into that plan, or was this kind of just like
1: a whim of the moment type thing? All right, let me not try to be too long because I can (laughs) give you the long-winded story of this, and we can end the podcast there. Uh, No, but when I was in... Middle school, when I was, you know, had a opportunity in a class to try and decide where you want to be. Sports talk radio was nowhere near that. I didn't even really grow up listening to sports talk radio. I wanted to be an architect, and all throughout middle school, co- uh, high school, I worked towards being an architect. In fact, my freshman year of college, I went for architecture, and then I was studying architecture actually locally after after a transfer uh, at UT Arlington. Shout out, go Bucks or go Mavs, I should say. Buck them up. Um, and while I was there, I had a friend who was, you know, doing sports talk radio and I love talking about sports. So we, I'd go on a show every once in a while and he was like, have you ever considered doing this? And I was like, no. And then I came to a point where I wanted to change majors. And so I ended up jumping into it and it kind of clicked. So within there, once I was in that place, yes, sports talk radio was the goal. And thankfully I've gotten to a place where I've been able to do this for, I guess at this point, six years, been, uh, at 105 through the fan.
0: Insane how things work out and lead you to the path that you're supposed to be on, right? I mean, Uh, The road less traveled on, but it gets you where you're supposed to be, and I love that. Reg, what has been your favorite part so far of really working at the fan and getting a scope of not just the Cowboys, but you work and you cover really all Dallas sports, so that includes the Rangers, the Mavs, you have the Stars, of course the Cowboys. What has been your favorite part of getting to dip your toe in all of those different pools of Dallas sports radio?
1: um i mean the people that you get to meet and not in the way that i guess like uh outside fans would view it, is like oh man did you get to say something to dak prescott or whatever but really and truly like getting to you know meet you guys and meet some of the people that cover this team like you you really do get to meet and have fun and hang out with um some really interesting people that some really smart people that um have made my life better. But also, yeah, getting an opportunity to kind of get to the inside scoop. You know, I, I think everybody has a little bit of gossip in them. And when you when you have this level of proximity to people who are newsbreakers, you know, you get to you get to learn some things uh, from here or there. Uh, So that's always I I find that to be interesting, even though that's not like the biggest portion of this by any means. But it is a fun part of it is like kind of being in the know, being able to be like, hey, you know, watch this space that there's something's going to happen in this place.
2: I, I love that because I've kind of found more and more within myself that I like to spill tea often. Uh, That's to right. People and just get things going, get the conversation going. Um, <laughs> and the one thing that for me, like I've had a couple things on, on college sports radio. And the one thing I will always remember is the first person that said, hey, you have a voice for radio. And that was my mother. Uh, but she's my biggest fan, you know. So for you, who is that person in your life that not only said, you know, th- kind of told you first, you know, you have a voice for radio. And it could be the person that you were doing the show with, but maybe maybe a family member that has become sort of your biggest fan, your biggest champion.
1: Oh wow, that's that's an interesting question because wow, I'm going to be braggadocious pretty early. Um, and if you don't know this about me, I have a big ego. Just letting you know, perfectly so, fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've heard very often that I have a voice for radio. Uh, I've, I've, there's been a lot of people that have been like, "Hey, have you considered doing this?" Like I was mentioning, I had a friend uh, in college who was like, "Hey, you should think about doing this." Uh, when it comes to my biggest fan, that is a that is a question that I do not. Uh, have a definitive answer to but I've been very fortunate to be around many people who have like cheerleaded you know and I think that it's necessary for anybody to find some level successes to have people around you who maybe believe in you uh, sometimes more than you believe in yourself Uh, so obviously I I have a lot of I'm very thankful very blessed to have a lot of good people around me that uh, value what I have to say in the ways that I, I decide to say it so um and then thankfully, li- you know, there's listeners out there because obviously if some of those aren't some of your biggest fans, then uh, you're going to be in real problems uh, on radio. But yeah, we've had we've had a lot of great listeners um, that have you know said really nice things, things that I, sometimes I'm not even sure is entirely true. But um, I, I do appreciate I, lots of support. I've been very fortunate in that way.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely feel that to where it's sometimes this imposter syndrome really gets you. (laughs) And then the listeners are the ones that are raising you up being like, no, that was fantastic. And you're like, uh, okay, thank you. Yeah, Um, you say
1: so. Right. right. Customer's always right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But. Is there any part, because being in radio is a lot more work than people give credit to, I think, a lot mm-hmm. of the time. So what has been the most challenging part for you, you know, adjusting to that space? And what is any advice you have for anybody that maybe is going into radio that might not think about that aspect of it?
1: With radio, I, I mean, people look at it and be like, oh, your day is, what, four or five hours long? Wow, that's great. Not really, right? Your day is the whole day because... My prep, uh, obviously, like, the the larger portions, kind of the more bare-bones portion of prep is just being in tune with sports. So at all times, I find myself watching and, you know, watching a whole bunch of different sports and kind of keeping up and reading up on stuff. And then, obviously, then you drill down and have to get into the nitty-gritty of going and finding things. Um, so the, you're kind of always prepping in a way. So that's, that's one level of, like... The workday isn't really well defined, but I guess in this day and age for a lot of people, whether you're in sports or media or anything, that's kind of the way that it goes. Uh, The tough thing for me is like you there needs to be like a continual growth, uh, continual developing of your of your skill and honing. And I guess the one thing to answer a question kind of precisely for me that I found difficult was like, hey, man, I don't always want to talk about some of the stuff I got to talk about. You know, but finding a way to get that interest or, you know, use the tools that you have to still find something interesting to say, at least something that you hope is interesting. And um, yeah, yeah, finding a way to get into that because, you know, there's so I'm we all understand the sports calendar has its ebbs and flows. And sometimes you get into those places where like, oh, this is this is one of those ebbs. Um, and you're like, well, we got to show's got to go on. You've got to find something you got to, you know, have something to say or something to provide his content. So I think that's been one of the big things for me is finding the ways to outside of the easiest portions of content, right? um, What are the ways that you now can go and find uh, something interesting, something worthwhile to discuss? Sometimes I, and
2: I live outside of Dallas. I'm up in uh, New Jersey and uh, there are times where I'm just on Twitter and I see, up oh, just another day in Dallas, a guy riding a horse down, you know, the highway or something. Yeah. So I'm sure just an interview or a conversation always about something. that. It's like you can always find something happening in Dallas. Uh, the last question before we get into our game that I have is who is one athlete or person that you hope to interview before your career is said and done?
1: Ooh. That's really tough. I don't know. Um when it comes to, like, I don't I don't think there's a particular athlete that I'm like, I've got to interview that person. I guess my perspective, I'm, I'm not necessarily in the headspace of, like, I am an interviewer. Obviously, I am in places where I, I am going to interview folks. But I, I know some people have, like, that skill set where, like, oh, consummate interviewer, and I don't necessarily view myself as such. So that's not the framework that I take. But there's a lot of smart people within like the sports discussion business that like uh I would love to have the opportunity to talk to. One of the ones that comes to mind, I guess, first, if not like my you know best answer, are you familiar with uh ESPN's Dominique Foxworth? Yeah. I think that yep. I think that he is yep. incredible in obviously just having fun, but then in the ways that he thinks about the sport from a player perspective and then understanding and breaking down the business of sport. I would love to just be able to like, yo, you know, get get in a little bit into that headspace and just kind of chat with them. And then obviously he has a somewhat different path into this media space, although there's not really like a standard path. But uh, yeah, he's he's just a dude that I find really intriguing and interesting. So yeah, I guess Dominic Fox would be a person I'd love to talk to.
2: Yeah, I hear him a lot on the Mina Kimes podcast. Um, yes. And the, both of them together. It's just, it's, they have great chemistry and, and a lot of that has to do with you know, having a good product, and you and KG certainly have that as well. Just like me and Jess, I'd like to think uh, that we, we have that as well. I mean, she might not say so, but.
0: Look, I also like to think that we're funny a lot of the times. I don't know if the viewers agree or listeners agree, but I think a lot of the chemistry that you have with your co-host comes with just the outside conversation. So not even the conversations you have about sports, but I mean, I will vent my entire life to Brandon and he just takes it like a champ. So (laughs) um, above all, like Reg back to your point earlier, like the, the relationships you make within this industry is so cool because if it wasn't for covering, you know, in our case, the Cowboys, we never would have had a way to meet each other. And that goes for all three of us on the podcast. And um, just the multiverse – of friendships that you make along the way is pretty cool. And Brandon, I think I just made that segue so mm-hmm. easy for you. You're I, so welcome.
2: See, this is why she's the best co-host. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a perfect transition because, of course, this is a Dallas Cowboys podcast and we have to talk draft. so why not make it the multiverse of draftness? Uh, we know that Reg himself is an MCU fan, just like all of us. Uh, draftness doesn't roll off the tongue as easy as it does in the mind, so we'll put that in the, the back burner for a little bit. Uh, but basically, in, Mal- in Marvel 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 fashion in an alternate universe. We're looking at the previous three drafts for the Cowboys and maybe not so many recently, but since Mark, Mike McCarthy came over uh, and became the head coach in 2020. And we're going to take a look at some of the picks and see if the Cowboys could have taken another player and how that could have transpired and sort of like a Marty McFly way of, you know, you pick up one thing or you do something else and it changes the entire universe for yourself. So we'll start with, I have one name and I have this one. It's sort of like a, uh, a low key Type player, But you have Neville Gallimore that was picked in the third round, pick 82 in 2020. But instead, the Cowboys pick Alex Highsmith, who is a linebacker from Charlotte University, small school guy. He was selected in the third round by the Steelers. Uh, So his draft stock wasn't as high being a small school guy. But in his final two seasons at Charlotte, he had 18 sacks. And this is not a typo or me misspeaking. He had 40 tackles for loss. So a very productive, very productive player. it's that same thing where it's like Khalil Mack coming from Buffalo, where you need to be better than the competition that you're playing. And clearly he had the tools to do that. And so with Pittsburgh in 2020, he had two sacks, 2021 six. And then just this past year, he had 14 and a half sacks. And you figure that's also because TJ Watt was missing time. Somebody had to kind of step up in his place. So in this scenario, the Cowboys draft Alex Highsmith, but the kickback, sort of the ripple effect is that in 2021, They don't select Micah Parsons because they see a lot in him out of that 2020 season. So having said that, Reg, I'll turn it to you first. Would you have preferred a player looking at the first three years of his production in an Alex Highsmith? Or are you just sticking with where we're at right now in our reality of Micah Parsons being a Dallas Cowboy?
1: Oh, this is really tough because clearly the, the high end of Micah Parsons is one of the best players in the league. All right. So it's hard to give that up. I, let me, can I pose you guys a question within this? I like I it, a little like ping-pong. Like sure. the yeah.
0: um,
1: you have Alex Highsmith, outside linebacker, obviously. I think if you want to utilize him, I don't know that you make him just like a regular defensive end, or but I also don't know that you change your entire defensive system into a 3-4. But whatever, however they utilize him, right, if he ends up being effective, right, well, actually, the first year, you probably don't see, like, the full, you know, immersion or, like, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but the full evolution of him. Do you not think, especially with like the best available nature that it seemed like they took Micah Parsons with? You looked at it and it, was, it wasn't like a position where they were like, yo, we desperately need a linebacker. They kind of were like, yo, this dude can play and we would like to have him. Do you think they they end up with both of them? Because that is a possibility. Now, obviously, that is consolidating a lot of your draft capital in one place. But can you imagine, do you think that is a possibility, or am I just talking out of my keister, that you have Highsmith and Micah Parsons?
0: I love the word keister. Um, everybody please go tweet Reg the word keister. <laughs> I, the word of, okay. um, I will happily
1: take all of these tweets. <laughs>
0: uh, look, <laughs> I also want to throw out there that we're talking about the year 2020, which Dan Quinn has just not entered the chat at this right. point yet. You're still working under um, Mike, you know, Nolan, Mike Nolan, Tabasco yes. Mike. So <laughs> at that point, you're talking about a very different kind of defensive scheme where, you know, 2020 Cowboys, team in general we don't really speak about that That is he who is not to be named at all when you're talking about recent Cowboys history but Mike Nolan that that's an interesting little throw there because you you add another little multiverse layer in here of if the Cowboys defense was a little more successful in 2020 would we have ever seen a Dan Quinn run defense for the Dallas Cowboys yeah no, so, I'm going to ping pong back to Brandon because Man. this is why we're playing this game. We're making everybody think a little harder today.
2: Somehow my question gets back to me. Uh, yep. You know, I, I have to say I did think about that in this scenario, and I will say that I think if, let's just say, Dan Quinn is here, I think that they would trust him to kind of take Alex Ismith and, and develop into to like a Micah Parsons, and I think that they would take Rashawn Slater over a Micah Parsons because yep. I say that because what they what they kind of – told, you know, where their mind was at last year by taking Tyler Smith. So they had a need for a tackle or an offensive lineman with sort of a guard tackle flexibility. Slater coming out of college, he has the T-Rex arm. So everybody thought that he would be a better guard than a tackle. He's proven to be very elite at, uh, in, in L.A. as a left tackle. So I think that they could have made him either a left guard or a left tackle, sort of the heir apparent to a, a Tyron Smith. But, yeah, it's an interesting question, especially when you throw that Dan Quinn wrinkle into it as well
1: yeah, so I, I think that if you if the permutation that you presented, the idea of Highsmith, but known Micah Parsons, I would rather go with the the universe that we live in currently. But that does include the the missed pick, frankly, of Neville Gallimore, which is a little unfortunate considering where in modern 2023 you are still looking at the defensive tackles position as a place where you could use some level of uh, betterment, right? Understanding that Hankins is there and he will play under this one-year contract, and that you like what you're getting out of Oso Digazua, getting up the field, but still, like you could you could deserve you could love to have better, and it kind of stinks that just a few years back you drafted at that position and didn't get exactly what you wanted
0: you're saying you want Gallif more mm. Mm. always mm. I, have to throw, I have to throw the puns in there come on Reggie. yeah this is the tough <laughs> thing
1: about it is like i'm i'm not always really uh happy about the puns so i i can't deter i can't determine if i actually like that one or if that was just like oh, eh, i'm not sure
0: that's like one of my go-to's though i mean his name is an easy one to do but um no i think i agree i think where we're at now Things played out to be, you know, kind of the best situation from the Cowboys in order for them to grow as a defensive entirely. I mean, you look at from 2020 to now, what you're talking about in in defense is completely different. And so um, I'm going to stick with Reg on this. I'm going to say I agree. I'm going to stay in the multiverse we are currently in right now. I'm going to agree with Reg on this one, but that might not always be the case, especially if you keep knocking my puns. I might just play devil. <laughs> <puns>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Jess, I'll turn it back to you because I have one name that we'll, we'll get to, but who's somebody that you think is in this multiverse of uh of a world where the Cowboys take another player instead of who they have.
0: So we're going to go to the 2020 draft in the first round where we obviously know the Cowboys picked up Ceedee lamb at 17, which ends up being, you know, wide receiver one for your Dallas Cowboys come Mm -hmm. 2022 season. We saw how that all played out, especially when OBJ entered the chat uh, for a brief moment. And we saw CD really emerge into that wide receiver one role. However, let's take a step back because during that first round, let's talk about some guys that were taken before him and even after him as far as wide receivers. You had Henry Ruggs who ended up going at 12 to the Raiders. Jerry Judy, who the Broncos took at 15, uh, Jalen Regor, who Philly, ew, took at 21, and then Brandon Azuk, who San Francisco took at 25. Now in this multiverse, we could go a few different ways here. We could say, okay, you know, say the Cowboys had uh, an option to trade up and get one of these names, or we can say maybe the Cowboys had uh, a bit of a better, se- a bit of a better season to draft later on. So you can go either which way with this uh, answer here. Is there any name on here that I just read off to you guys that sticks out to say if a multiverse happened where C D didn't fall to the Cowboys? The Cowboys would have the same success in having that wide receiver one spot that they did last season with CeeDee. Is there any guy on that list that you can look at and really confidently say, yes, he could have stepped up to be the wide receiver one that we saw in 2022 or no, or do we stay in our current situation with CeeDee? Brandon, I'm going to jump to you first, and then Reg, let's see what your thoughts. Are.
2: Yeah, it's a question I don't want to answer because I know Justin Jefferson went after CD, so everybody's going to look at, to that pick and say, well, Justin Jefferson is a perennial, almost Hall of Famer right now, so... Yeah, it's tough because I think CD has been fantastic for the Cowboys and has been an elite wide receiver, and he's been that way. You know, he really kind of fell into his own this season after Amari Cooper left. So you think this wide receiver would have been paired with Amari Cooper at the time? Maybe Amari would still be on the team if CD Lamb wasn't here. But I don't know. I mean, I guess the in the spirit of of the multiverse, I will say that Justin Jefferson would be the pick. I think if everybody knew what they know now. I would say that Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk is certainly an intriguing name as well, given the success that he has had. Uh, But I don't know, like I I love CD and I just, I don't think anybody would pull off 88 the way that he did. I know they did that awesome Chipotle commercial with all the 88s. And it's like, once I saw that, I can't unsee it. So it's like, I see all those guys together and it's like, that's what I want. So I'm going to go with CD, even though Justin Justin Jefferson is somewhere uh, on that board still.
0: Yeah, you
1: got one and a possible. I don't know if y'all play spades, but that's that's how I'm looking <laughs> at this. Justin Jefferson is absolutely, that is that is an entirely different level of uh, this thing. Although I guess the question then you ask is like Justin Jefferson as slot guy, because that would almost kind of be the place that you are at. CD was able to get uh, time on the field as your slot receiver when you have Amari and Michael Gallup on the outside. All right, So maybe you ask yourself, does Justin Jefferson get that same opportunity if he is having to maybe play some level of slot receiver in there? Um, I am inclined to look at the dude that stands before us and go, yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. Uh, just put him on the field. Um, the possible is Jerry Judy. Right, Jerry Judy has been a really good wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. And if you look at what he's been dealing with, the Denver Broncos hadn't really had (laughs) a lot when we talk about both uh, play callers and quarterbacks to deal with there. So I'm I like the notion of like a Jerry Judy. I do think you can find something maybe similar to what you had in CeeDee Lamb, but that's more of the possible. The Justin Jefferson looks like the absolute, right? With Brandon, you're definitely right in that way. Like, that is the absolute things would have been fantastic if you had that guy, but um, I don't think it's too bad. Like, I I don't think that any Cowboys fan in this particular hypothetical that we're dealing with um, is too upset with CeeDee Lamb, right? I liken this to, as I um, go ahead and hop sports real quick, um, are you guys familiar with the 19, I believe, 84 NBA draft in which one Michael Jordan was selected?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yep. Selected for the Houston Rockets, I believe, two picks after um, Hakeem Olajuwon. And there is no one within this Houston metropolitan area that would be that is upset that they did not get Michael Jordan. And everybody would point to Michael Jordan as the better player. But they got one that is really great, that definitely serves their purposes. And, like, nobody is ever upset that they got Michael Jordan as a – or, sorry, rather, that they got um, Hakeem Olajuwon instead of Michael Jordan. I think that that might be the situation that you are in with CeeDee Lamb. Rightfully came into his uh, his own as a number one wide receiver. And I think that people around these parts are not going to be in a place where they feel the need to trade him for Justin Jefferson, at least at this point. Justin Jefferson might come through and catch – 37 touchdowns and then we look around and we go okay maybe we maybe maybe yeah Yeah. maybe we should go that way (laughs) it's a great point with the the hometown aspect like what do the
2: fans want and I like you said I think it's a great point of I don't think anybody would, would love to have Justin Jefferson, but CeeDee Lamb has been everything as advertised. And maybe it's a case where he didn't have the early success of Justin Jefferson, but you look at where they're at right now. I mean, Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb are right there as two of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So there's not much to be mad about. Of course, when it comes to contract time, numbers might be a little different. Justin Jefferson might command a little bit more money, uh, but we'll see. I'm all in for players getting their money, but I, I think you know the nice part is they have that 50-year option. They can keep them around a little bit longer and then try and work things out long-term.
0: My next question when, when we're in this entire multiverse is there's a name that was thrown out for a second there, but Amari Cooper, let's say in this multiverse, Jerry Jones decides let's keep Amari Cooper. Let's, let's keep him a Dallas Cowboy. How does this impact CeeDee Lamb? Is CeeDee Lamb really a name we pay attention to at that point? How long is Amari Cooper staying in Dallas at that point? What changes for the wide receiver room if Amari Cooper in this multiverse stayed in Dallas and, you know, decided to end his career a Dallas Cowboy? How does that change things?
1: Well, for one, your offense is a lot better in 2022. (laughs) Like, I I think that's the one that's very evident. Um, I don't know. I'm not certain. And I guess Brandon helped me out with this just as well. Um, Do we feel like amari cooper served as some level of impediment to sidarian lamb's growth because i don't i don't necessarily know that that's the case cd seemed to be getting to that place i think time was more the factor than anything because amari with amari not there cd you know early on in the season needed to step into that role and he had some growing pains in that way so uh maybe the idea that like that space continue he continued to be in that space and then finally grew into it but i think that he continues to develop even if amari's here correct
2: yeah I, I think so too i think if anything they wouldn't have signed michael gallup to the long-term contract and they would have known that um you know it's somebody that they weren't weren't going to have in their you know long-term plan so i think michael gallup would have been taken you know his snaps would have been taken away from amari cooper and Listen, it's a good problem to have. Of course, you know, Michael Gallup's being younger than, than Amari Cooper, but has shown that Amari Mar- Cooper's been a healthier player. He's still had success with Cleveland. Um, so it's not a health thing. I just think it's a scenario where the Cowboys wanted to make it all about CD, and rightfully so. He had great success, but like you mentioned, Reg, when it came to the playoffs, uh, they didn't have that sort of wide receiver threat. They were going with T.Y. Hilton and a couple guys off the street, you know, trying to get o- OBJ. So I think that in hindsight, keeping Amari Cooper would have been the better bet, but I'm, I'm not happy uh, or I, I'm still happy either way.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Now, the one thing about it, right, because I don't know how much changes, but the one thing I can say, you look at Dak Prescott and the turnovers that you had this season, and so many of those de- dealt with a lack of separation and wide receivers maybe not being exactly where they needed to be. And one thing that we could talk about Amari Cooper with, consummate route, route runner, right? Like, that is one of the things. So having a guy who is in the right place when you needed to be there, uh, you wouldn't think about that as being a huge deal, but it seems like it was And I do wonder if that distinction for what a Cowboys team that looked really damn good this past season, what that does in raising the ceiling that you ultimately saw this team, because you raise the ceiling of this team, however much, whatever, you know, measurable unit that is, is this a team that now breaks that, uh, that NFC championship game drought, right? Like I, I am not certain. And of course, like, Everybody in Cowboys Nation has lambasted the Cowboys front office for moving on from Amari Cooper for what seems to be, at least to me, uh, a, a kind of like personal motivation type thing. Right. Like some level of pettiness. And again, my words, not you guys's, Right. So that you guys don't have to hear about that. Um, but, yeah, I, I I don't see the problem with Amari Cooper remaining if you can make the money work, which, of course, then the Cowboys will tell us they couldn't. <laughs>
0: It also makes me question, too, because I know a lot of the discussion for specifically the offense this season was what exactly was the problem. Was it your receivers? Was it your tight ends? Was it the O-line? Was it Dak? Was it Kellen Moore? There was a bunch of different things that were in question here. So it makes me wonder, you know, say you still had an Amari Cooper, who usually, yes, route running, his bread and butter, knowing where to go, also just a veteran trait that Amari came with when he came into Dallas – It makes me wonder how much would have been exposed of Amari Cooper and how productive he actually would have been with the Cowboys offense, being as questionable as it was last season, just with the unsteady, uh, unstable state it was in. It was high when it was high. It was low when it was low. It just wasn't consistent enough, I think, to have somebody like Amari Cooper make that much more of an impact when it didn't seem like anybody really knew what they were doing at times. uh, Because you Schultz perfect example you go back and you look at the interceptions a lot of the time it was to Schultz who should normally know where he's going that's Dak's guy you know in that case so it makes me wonder you know if Amari was still on the team and say it was a schematic issue say it was a Kellen Moore issue how much would you have actually seen of Amari and would we be having this conversation of is Amari tanking is he worth his contract is is he having a good season is he not it just makes me question a lot about how much we actually would have seen from him this last season under whatever was going on with the offense
2: yeah it's it's a great point and you brought up the word consistency and another player when I think of uh 2022 and the problems that the Cowboys had was, of course, when when Anthony Brown went down with injury, we turned to the draft picks. We turned to the guys who are supposed to be the young, developing guys, and you have somebody that the Cowboys took in the second round, pick 44, uh, Mr. Kelvin Joseph, uh, and unfortunately, it just has not panned out the way that everybody hoped it would. Uh, there are many players that were taken after him, a Creed Humphrey, a Walker Little, little Asante Samuel Jr. Jr. is a name that a lot of people will point to and say, you know, he's the better corner cornerback Cornerback right now, but I also look back to 2020 and how when they drafted Bradley and I in the fifth round, the Cowboys picked instead in the scenario Isaiah Rodgers, who is a really good cornerback for the Colts. Uh, I believe he had three interceptions last season, but he's also shown flashes of being a really good kick slash punt returner. So I pose this question with the selection of an Isaiah Rogers in 2020 in this world. Calvin Joseph isn't on the team, but also a Cavante Turpin is not on the team because the Cowboys have their kick slash punt returner in him. So for me, I'm a big fan of Kavante. But does that mean that having somebody like Isaiah Rogers who poses more of a availability at the cornerback position? Is that what we want in this scenario more so than the kick returner of Cavante Turpin?
1: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Yes. Sign me up now. Sign me up. Yes. Um, no, you absolutely need that cornerback spot. But when it comes to that, like, Kevontae Turpin is, is a specialist, right? I understand that people, people clamored for, like, his utilization in the wide receivers uh, room. And uh, so Kevontae Turpin signed, and I was like, okay, Tavon Austin part two, right? And I loved Tavon Austin at West Virginia. If you don't know anything about me, I am a college football sicko, right? Um, I loved Tavon Austin a wide receiver. And then I saw him with the St. Louis Rams, and then you know in other places that he went, I was like, oh, he he's not a wide receiver in the NFL, and that's no shade to that guy. Um, and so I, you know, we saw that here locally. They tried to utilize him. They tried to do kind of your jet sweeps and those things, and you really looked up and you're like, oh, okay, but you can't use him like a regular wide receiver. So he's here to be a specialist, which is fine. That's okay. But when you can have a guy like Isaiah rogers that you're mentioning. That can be a valuable part of your defense in addition to being a specialist as well, right? Like not solely a specialist, but having that as an added role that frees up a roster spot for you to go and have a position or have a player that actually helps what you're doing. And not to say that like having a specialist is bad because um you can maybe look at someone like a Dante Hall as simply a specialist. And I am hundred percent if you're giving me Dante Hall star type uh production. Um, Kevante Turpin has not necessarily been that while obviously been a very good returner. Um, like I need something super special, at least if I have a better option available to go with that route. And so, no, yeah. Give me, give me Rogers where now you have an opportunity to use that wide receiver spot for maybe another wide receiver. Now, maybe you look up and say, well, you get another level of a uh, wide receiver in the draft that you don't play or something like that. That's a possibility, but giving me the lottery picks, you know, option of, having that roster spot to be utilized for something else. Hell, even this past season, didn't you have to get rid of a defensive tackle that went somewhere else because you didn't have the roster spot for him, right? Like, hey, John Ridgway, would you like to play for the Cowboys? You know, so like that is something that I consider when I think about that. Because as you were laying this out, Brandon, you were mentioning kelvin joseph and i'm also thinking about nishan Wright. they went two for there right they they tried to get two cornerbacks and neither of them really stood up as a value valuable pick in solving your problems right and of course like those guys are still relatively young right i don't want to call them uh, you know i mean there's there's they're in that place um but as of right now they have not served to be the solution to the issue that you had and that stinks if you look at you gave two draft picks for that so if you're telling me that i can get one draft pick for a dude that's going to do two jobs, sign me up.
0: And not only that, but you go back to that returner conversation. You had Noah Brown at that point, who was proving to be productive in special teams. He was your special teams guy up until really the last couple of seasons when they started to sprinkle him a little bit more into your offense. So you look at that point, you already kind of, Set and sealed with your special teams guy. Not to say I want to live in a multiverse without Cavante Turpin. Y'all know I was first in the in I was I was the driver of that train when <laughs> I first saw it in preseason last year. I was the driver of the Cavante Turpin train, and I always will be. But at that point, you didn't really you didn't really need him as much as, you know, you wanted a better specialist. No Brown held the fort down when he needed to. It was they just wanted to get him a little bit more involved in the offense, which they did, and he was productive, especially when you had Cooper Rush in the mix because that was really his guy. That was his, mm-hmm. you know, he got all the practice reps with Cooper Rush. So they felt that connection. You saw that early in the 2022 season when Dak was out. But You know, to go back to your point of if you had, you know, a situation where Kelvin Joseph was not the choice, you were set kind of regardless whether you had Kavante Turpin or not because Noah Brown was always in that conversation and holding things down before Kavante even entered in Dallas. Now, what changed that conversation was Kavante's preseason where he kept taking those returns all the way down the field and then everybody kind of batted an eye to say, oh, wait, no maybe we should make this our guy for special teams. Noah Brown kind of sit this one out for a minute. So now you're in a situation where you look at, yeah, you get a Cavante Turpin, which is fantastic. And, you know, I'm excited to see him grow and grow, you know, past his rookie season, But you were already pretty much covered at special teams in that returner position with Noah Brown anyways.
2: Yeah, and I think, Reg, you brought up a great point with having one player for two positions. That's proven to be successful. Having three interceptions in one season is nothing to kind of scoff at, I mean, especially being a young player. Um, and when you have that return ability, I believe he had a kick return for a touchdown as a rookie, too, for uh, Isaiah Rogers. So that's something that Kevonti Turpin has yet to do in the NFL uh, on the regular season level. But uh, also, too, you brought up Nishan Wright. Uh, Am- Amon Ross St. Brown was picked in the fourth round after him. So that's oh. somebody who you would like to have. Also, Baron Browning is another name, too, for for Denver, the outside linebacker kind of hybrid. Uh, Jess, but we'll kind of close out with two more names. I'll let you have one if you have one more, and then I have one that hopefully you don't have, uh, which will create a, little, a good conversation.
0: All right, no, I definitely have one because I wanted to go back, and Brendan and I were kind of talking about this before we started recording, but let's say, let's just pretend that Tyler Smith did not have the season he did last season because keep in mind, let's take a little bit of a of a time machine, if you will, back to training camp, last summer when mike mccarthy had just said where things stand now tyler smith probably would not be your starter at this point because he's just not ready he's not there and then boom tyron smith goes down with that gruesome disgusting injury that he was still walking on his leg with (laughs) no idea how the strength in that man undeniable and unhuman um but let's say tyron smith did not get injured Let's say he played his a full season. Okay, let's go this route because Tyler Smith, not a very popular choice of the people uh, when he was picked (laughs) at 24 by the Cowboys during the 2022 draft. You had a few other offensive linemen that went uh, earlier and then, of course, after him uh, during that point. One name I did want to throw out there um, that was an earlier pick was Evan Neal and the Giants got him at seven. Okay, so let's play a little game here. We're going to say Tyron Smith did not get injured during training camp at this point. Maybe later in the season, whatever, but not right before the season started. He stayed healthy during training camp, and maybe the Cowboys um, picked somebody else in that round. Sorry, my nephew is peeking at me through the window over here, um, and it's very distracting. But um, let's say those are your two options here. Do you stay with Tyler Smith, seeing that eventually you get a Jason Peters in the mix who really helped coach him up, train him, show him all of the ins and outs of being a good offensive lineman? I mean, man, the growth this guy had this season. Or do you pick somebody else and Tyron gets injured during that season? I mean, we can go any which way here. How do you feel about the Tyler Smith pick? overall in this situation reg
2: you can go first i defer to you i'll let you okay
1: cool um i was gonna say like all right we've got this multiverse where we're changing you know this point this nexus point right um are we changing the human being because tyron smith is her guy right like (laughs) you stole my point you stole my point i I don't i don't i love the dude the dude is a tree of a human being and i would never you would never catch me saying bad things about him that being said he's her guy He's going to get hurt. And on on top of that, I don't know. Are we also doing time machine for like the human being because he's 32 years old, right? So like you still need to have some consideration for your left tackle the future and the beauty of Tyron Smith, right? Or sorry, Tyler Smith. We're doing the thing with the T Smiths, right? (laughs) Uh, The beauty of Tyler Smith is that the position that he is naturally built to play at this point of his career. But before he gets into like the necessity of having to play left tackle, is left guard. Right. Like the place where you're in a phone booth, and you don't have to worry as much about the technical ability. You can go mall folks. And he has the strength and the athleticism to go do that. In fact, uh, Jess, you were mentioning how um, he wasn't a popular pick. But if we're talking about offensive linemen as picks, which one is popular? Like that typically doesn't happen amongst the fans. Really? Not to say that, like, you know, we don't have time to be looking at all these linemen. It's just like, yo, you took one instead of this dude that I know that I saw on Saturdays. Um, And I think that's the perspective that it would have come down to. So you get Tyler Smith, and if Tyron Smith is healthy, we just go with the plan that had been going on through training camp. He had been training at left guard, and I think that he is still a very good left guard, dare I say, better than Connor McGovern, right? And I think you just go in that place. And so the idea that maybe Jason Peters doesn't come in is fine because the idea, the plan before – was that Tyron Smith teaches him the ropes. So I think you were still in this place where this is one of the picks where you look back at the Cowboys and you go, yeah, they had this mocked up all the way, right? They had the plan, and if this has gone to plan, it'd be great. You just happened to have to go to plan B, and that worked swimmingly as well.
2: Yeah, you brought up uh, the exact point I was going to make where – usually you go to different multiverses you have different lifestyles different you know you might be a celebrity in one you might be a teacher and another for tyron smith unfortunately in every multiverse he's hurt you know <laughs> it's just that's the way that's the way it seems like it's going and again nothing against the player he's been a, a, a true tree for the cowboys offensive line for the past decade but that's just where he's at in his career so it would be nice to think of a world that exists where Tyron Smith is healthy, but I just, I don't see it. You know, it just doesn't come to me like uh, all these other alternate universes. So I, I honestly, I have to eat a lot of my words. I was not in favor of the Tyler Smith pick just simply because I thought that he was more of a second round player, but Where the Cowboys were picking, I've now changed my mindset where I wholeheartedly, I keep saying this on our podcast, trust the Cowboys and who they draft now. Like they can pick whoever they want at 26 this year. It could be a kicker. And I'd be like, yeah, you know what? I trust them. I trust their evaluation process. Maybe not kicker or quarterback. Yeah, but- like, that's a lot of trust, man. <laughs> I was going to say, wow.
0: That's, but, uh,
2: but my point that's my point is valid in the sense where the Cowboys had a vision, like you talked about, Reg, for, for Tyler Smith. They clearly had a plan in place. And they said, we see the raw tools that this guy has. All we need is just to coach him up a little bit. And he'll be good to go. And he was one of the best left tackles in the NFL for his age, for his experience. So I think the Cowboys made the right call. And I, I just like the Micah Parsons one, I wouldn't change it.
1: Also, can we can we say a quick oh. prayer for the defensive ends in that one universe oh. where Tyron Smith's healthy? Uh.
0: Consider it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Because we yeah. definitely need all the prayers at that point. As far as Tyron Smith, he hasn't played a full season since 2015. Guys, that is – That is a long time. Uh, For me, for some reason, I'm stuck in the year, like, 2017. And then I have to remind myself, like, no, you're in 2023 now. That's quite a while. That's almost 10 years that he hasn't played a full season. And you let that sink in. That's, yeah, Brandon, you're right. I don't think there's a multiverse where he plays a full season. That's just Um, and and we talk about it all the time, is the O-line guys, they take hit after hit after hit. Their bodies, wear and tear, is just so much different than a lot of these players and how much deterioration you see with their health so quickly. Um, But as for Tyler Smith, you know, something that I really appreciated about him last season was you're talking about the most penalized team in the NFL, you know, right before the 2022 season, the Cowboys were the most penalized team in the NFL 2021. And then you come in and you see the, the pre-snap penalty start to become an issue again, uh, especially with uh, Tyler Smith. He was the most penalized t- player on the team for a second there. And when talking to him about it, I said, okay, well, what has been going on? What have the conversations been with the coaches like? What is Mike telling you? And he said, I just need to focus more. I need to find that mental focus where I, I'm i not thinking about it too much and it just kind of becomes habit. So, you know, after that was the news story of the week and then a couple weeks have passed, he really honed in to fix the problem. And to me, you're getting a coachable, very coachable young man on top of just somebody who wants to be better that's so hard to find no matter what multiverse you're in. Get me a guy like that all day, every day, because you don't just find people like that.
2: Yeah, and it's it's funny because you said you're stuck in 2017. I'm kind of stuck in that 2019 where for the Cowboys, they haven't had a kicker a consistent kicker since 2019 they've been kind of battling that and I know listen oh, yeah. we we are we are Stan Brett Maher is that how you say it Stan Brett, Brett Maher we stand
0: Brett Maher okay there yeah. you go
2: yeah there you yes. go uh we stan him. so in in the fourth round of the and this will be the last pick the fourth round of the 2021 NFL draft the Cowboys take Josh Ball in the fourth round and again somebody who hasn't really developed into a tackle he might be getting some guard reps over the summer to to save his job Uh, Oh, wow. I forgot (laughs) that he existed. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And so instead, the Cowboys take at his spot, Evan McPherson, the kicker that was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals in the fifth round. The fifth round, and the guy had a kicking percentage as a rookie at eighty-four percent, a field goal percentage at eighty-two. So not the best, but when you consider the type of postseason run that he had with the Bengals in twenty twenty one, he got them to the Super Bowl. So sign me up for that player all day of the week. And like I wrote on here, can can we get the Cowboys a kicker? Like can can we just do that right now? I don't know if it's gonna be in the draft. I don't know if it's gonna be uh come training camp again, but this needs to be solved. And I think if you yeah. draft somebody like an Evan McPherson, he's your answer for the next ten years.
0: Years. Well hey, Stephen Jones said word for word this is an itch that needs to be scratched. <laughs> and for me, yeah, no, you scratch that itch. It's a big itch. It's a big itch. Please <laughs> scratch it. Like scratch it as much as you need to because I'm stressed, guys. I am stressed about the kicking situation. For me, Brandon, you give me a kicker who is our future who we don't have to do this every off season where it's like worrying about what the kicking situation looks like, where you have the kicking competitions during training camp, and then you see all the reports of, oh, they were kicking into the stands and kicking into the trees. That does not make me feel good going into the season. I am so used to... Oh, I was used to the Brett, uh, Brett Maher. Oh my goodness. The, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so on that Brett Maher train, uh, to the Dan Bailey days where he was your consistent guy. He was the guy. He was money. We knew every single time, Brett. See, there I go again. Mm-hmm. Dan Bailey mm-hmm. went to go get, can't that get him ball. out of your head. <laughs> I can't. He lives rent free in my head. Oh my goodness. I, I really hope that the Cowboys, find some consistency in the kicker position overall, no matter who it is, get me a consistent kicker because this whole switching kickers every season and not knowing what's going to happen next. And, it just not being solidified makes me so nervous when you see how much of an impact this kicking position can have on games overall.
1: Yeah, see, I'm with you, Brandon. I had to, I don't know if you noticed as you were saying Evan McPherson's name, I had to go and double check because I was like, I don't remember what he is like kicking long. Uh, The long and short of it is he's good at it. He's good at kicking long (laughs) field goals. And that seems to be the name of game at least right now, right? In the modern kicking game, can you kick deep field goals? Because it used to be that we, you know, we wanted kickers that had some accuracy. We saw this actually with the Cowboys in their um, training camp, right? The the dude that they had out here, before, you know, was was my guy out of Texas Tech. I forget his name actually. Jonathan Garibay. Uh, Garibay Garibay. Uh, a little bit supposed to be a little bit more accurate, uh, or supposed to be longer, right? Like, but he could not be accurate. Who do they have in here before? Um, Hiram Hirulahu was was the cat cat, who had a whole bunch of accuracy but no length and everybody looked around like Hirulahu's hitting all these kicks why is he not here because now the name of the game is length right can you kick from distance even if you are more accurate it's we are willing to trade off a little bit of the accuracy for distance so for with that being in mind uh I love Ed McPherson the thing that I'd like to pose to you though and I I'm I want to say that's I'm agreeing with you, Brandon. I think that we go down that path as opposed to the one that we are right now. Josh Ball hasn't done a damn thing for this team yet. (laughs) Um, However, what happens if Evan McPherson falls off the cliff this season? Because that happens, right? Like, for some reason, you have kickers that you believe entirely in, that you think are incredible, and they fall off a cliff. Because whatever, right? Like, they seem to be more uh, prone to the yips than – damn near any other position at football at this point right like and I don't know if it's the yips or whatever but they seem to be in that place where you can be here one day and gone the next more than any other position and so the idea that you invest that fifth round draft pick not saying that you you can't but on this guy and say that this is done forever I don't think that's the issue I think are half a season a season away from having to replace your kicker um, but it would just be nice to have now, knowing what we know over the last two seasons of that kid and the stones that he has demonstrated in instances, it'd be nice to have him.
2: Yeah, I, it's it's a great point. And I, I think for every, if, if McPherson drops off, like you said this year, for everything that that happens in the fifth round, I think you get a Duran Bland. You have somebody where you find a, a diamond in the rough where it just evens out. I feel like with the Cowboys on the back end, back end of the draft, they always find a player that just you kind of don't hear about, like a Bradley and I in the fifth round. He's gone after two years. And then, you know, you have a Deron Bland who seems like he's going to be the slot corner for the next five years. So I, I think, and I even look at Josh Ball and how, when he stepped in this year, like he had his moment, he had his star moment where Terrence Steele goes down against the Houston Texans, and he comes in and does not look good. You know, he looked good against the run, but in pass protection, he's just all over the place. Jason Peters, 40-year-old Jason Peters, maybe 41 at that point, said, Coach, like, put me in. Like, I am better than who the guy is out there. And shout-out to Jason Peters for doing that because it won the Cowboys the game, and they needed that. But it's just, when I think about Josh Ball and where he's at right now, even if it's two solid years of an Evan McPherson, who knows maybe in that 2021 season when the Cowboys are in the playoffs, maybe he kicks a few more extra uh, field goals or in the season or whatever that, that uh, who was it? Uh, Greg Zerlon, Greg, the leg, you know, Kind of right. struggled, no Yeah, and so it's like I look at that. I'm like, maybe the Cowboys get just a little bit further. Maybe they get to the Super Bowl and they're playing the Bengals, you know, and and they are the Rams representing the NFC at that point. But yeah, it, it, I just I want them to find somebody. And I know maybe Mike McCarthy uh, will be hanging out with Mason Crosby during the off season. And I know he's still a free agent. Maybe they bring him in. Uh, the guy is also near 40 years old. Uh, but again, with kickers, it's like you could be 50 and still playing and and, and playing at a high level.
0: No, I also just wonder what things would have looked like if um, Brett Maher didn't get the yips during playoffs. I wonder. It's another
2: multiverse scenario.
0: Right. If he hadn't gotten the yips, he played like he did all season. What kind of contract would you be looking at at that point to give him? And how would that have impacted maybe the splash signings that you saw the Cowboys have as far as the trade situations with Brandon cooks and then Stephon Gilmore during the off season. So is that a give or take situation? Would Brett Maher have allocated money that maybe you're using for other splash situations? Uh, Even deals signed with bigger names like LVE or Donovan Wilson, would that have been impacted if Brett Maher actually had a good ending to his season? One of those what if situations, you know, I, I don't know what a deal would have looked like for him after having a great season if he had not had the yips at the worst possible time, he could have had the yips. Um, but I, I think a longer term contract would have been in the works for him at that point, two to three years, maybe, maybe four, if you're reaching at that point.
2: Well, we're, we're always in favor of him coming back. The door will always be open for us. Our arms will be wide Our open, wide open. Uh, <laughs> for, for, for him to come back. Uh, Reg, for you, do you want Brett Maher back or are you just going to go in a different
1: direction? Oh, you can't bring him back. Yeah, And I, like, during the, what we are terming the yip situation, I was actually largely in defense of him, right? Because when it comes to kicking, sometimes a no good, very bad day happens. Um, but when it seems, like, when you see that, it just ends up being, especially like in a place where you are in front of company, right? That's what I call these playoffs, right? You're not just, it is not just your fan base. It is not just the fan base of the other team. Everybody's watching this game. and You don't know, embarrass everybody in front of company. Oh yeah, yeah. It's going to be hard for you to come back because that's going to be imprinted in everybody's brain. Um, and so, yeah, it seemed like this, that's kind of the way that this goes. If he did not have that situation, Jess, I think he gets average uh, kicker salary, right? What are you talking about? $2 million? Like we're not he's not breaking the bank because I don't think that he was like an exceptional kicker to the point where you break the bank for him, but he was, he was pretty good kicker, right? Like he's solid kicker. And so you get eh, solid kicker money. Um, but yeah, yeah, once you, once you have put that on display, in fact, if you did not have the situation where he had that in a win, he'd have been gone a lot sooner because like, that's just the way that this goes. You end up doing that. Typically you have a game that bad, you lose the game. And so we would; it would have just been over, and we'd have been like, "Okay, that's the last thing we saw. Thanks for you know, thanks for your work, and hopefully, you have better times down the road." You just happen to win that game, so you had to have the whole decision about if you want to play him <laughs> in the next game after that. But yeah, I think that the situation remains the same. You you see a kicker go through all of that, and it's like, well, I mean, kickers end up being largely uh, replaceable, and so go find him one of the replacements.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's funny you brought up entertaining company as the sort of parallel to that. And it uh, makes me think of the days where whenever my brothers and I would misbehave in public, he would put in the Vulcan death grip on her neck and we'd just go paralyzed. And, and that's uh, right. Yeah. So that's you got to, got to discipline.
1: There's one rule. <laughs> do not embarrass me in front of company. Yeah.
2: I, I like that. I like that.
0: I'm gave me the death stare. It was yeah. a death stare. that I was <laughs> like, oh God. oh God. Don't look her in the eyes. Like I could feel it burning through my skin at that
2: point. I'm, I'm sure Jerry Jones was looking down from the box at, at him at that point and, and give them sure. the, the the death eyes uh so listen we're, we're at the end of of the podcast uh, we've taken more than enough time uh, of reg uh <laughs> listen where can people find you on social media if they want to check out and see what you got going on
1: i am at reg at on twitter i guess i should spell it r-e-g-a-d-e-t-u LA. I guess if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, you can do that. It's not really anything all that interesting over there. Uh, but yeah, I'm usually <laughs> tweeting about a lot of nonsense. You will regret the follow, but it's do it anyways. Do it. It's fun.
2: Awesome. Jess, what about you? Where can the people – I know Taylor Swift season is over. We've, we've moved past that. We're accepting that. It's no longer part of our lives. But uh, where can people follow you?
0: Taylor Swift season is never over, people. <laughs> I would just like to throw that out there. It is always part of me. You'll always get my lyrics and my song title drops in all podcasts forever and always. Uh, there's one right there. But you follow me at Jess JessNavars underscore on Twitter and... I'm kind of quiet on Twitter lately. I'm taking a little Twitter break before things get a little crazy with the draft. But don't you worry. We will have puns ready to go for uh, whoever the Cowboys decide to take at 26. We're going to have puns on puns on puns. I can promise you that, Reg. They will not disappoint you. But
1: yeah, is- let me go ahead and mute right quick. Uh,
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's a joke. Oh, my goodness. just wow. a little jokey joke. Wow! Shots being fired on this podcast. Oh my goodness! Guys, yeah, this, you are, it's you not nice insane. of
1: me as a as a guest to come on here and do that. You're witnessing
0: my villain origin story here with Reg. Like I you mentioned, duke it out on Twitter. I love this. Uh, you're, you're witnessing it.
2: I love it. Uh, listen, uh, feud. Let's let's start a feud. Let's start beef. <laughs> uh, well, you can follow me on have, Twitter.
0: Beef.
2: You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon is right, and that's W R I T E. Uh, for Reginald Atatula, thank you so much for hopping on with us. For Jess Navarrez, I am Brandon Laurie. We will talk to you guys next week on the Writer's Block. And as always, go Cowboys.